Good morning. It's great to be sharing with you on our coronation weekend. Who watched the coronation yesterday? Can we see a show of hands? So good, some of you, all the young ones I've asked today and said, have you watched it? They were like, no, no. We put it on at half past eight in the morning when we woke up or about eight o'clock and put GMB on. And literally, I was glued till about three o'clock and I promised Richard a bacon butter. And he kept saying to me, Anna, Anna, when are you going go to go to Morrison's and get the bacon? So I literally raced down in the record time to get this bacon to be a good wife to my husband. And then Richard made it, as he's just telling you all. He made it. But anyway, I don't know what you did, but I enjoyed it. All the pomp and, all the pomp and ceremony, the extravaganza, um, and just seeing all the dresses and all the celebrity spotting. But I did find, actually, that the service was quite, uh, was very moving, actually, and it was a very Christian service. And I absolutely loved that Jesus was recognised as the ultimate king. But I really loved that the very first words that came out of King Charles's mouth was from the Gospel of Mark, where it said, and he said, I come not to be served, but to serve. And I just thought that was just so powerful that the very first words in that service were words from Mark's Gospel, from our Bible. And I just thought, wow. And it literally made me literally listen even more um, even more carefully but um, and I love that Jesus was honoured in that all the way through as well but what I've also noticed is that these sort of events these celebrations these national events bring communities together don't they the street parties I think all across the country I came down Abingdon Road today I don't know if any of you live in Abingdon the road was closed for a street party so I was di- redirected um, but there's people having barbecues flocking together maybe you're here today and you've been invited to enjoy our event on the car park after barbecue and bouncy castles and games and all that Um, and it brings people doesn't it together young old people from different religions different backgrounds cultures coming together to celebrate and creates unity and especially after covid there seems to be a real joy now doesn't there that we can come together we can celebrate we can look out for each other and actually we can enjoy each other's company again So today, the title of my talk is, what is a king of this coronation weekend? What is a king and what do you think a king should look like? So we asked a few people in our congregation what this question. So I'd like to watch the screens just while they come on and uh, see what you think that some of you thought a king should look like. Someone who rules in is very kind. A king to me is someone who looks after their people, the people of the country, the people of the land, helps make sure everyone's okay. And is also a figure of uh, someone who people can look up to um, in times of trouble as well and someone who can hold things together. Um, A king. They take responsibility. I think a king is a person who leads and rules a country or people and... What he should do is lead them with their best interests at heart. Um, but obviously that doesn't always happen. A king is a ruler of, of a nation. That could be figuratively or literally. Um, for example, um, King Charles, King Charles III um, or, or Jesus. A king to me is, uh, I would say, is a man who is trusted with authority, a man with stature. And a man with rules. Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, a king is like a, ru- a ruler of a place and looks after the country or the place where the king rules. A person who leads people to do the right thing. Um, 
A king to me is someone who cares about their subject and someone who leads with integrity and and character and does what is best for for the people his people like basically is what I think a king is. A king is somebody who protects people. A king is whoever rules the world. A king is a leader and leadership is all about example. A king is someone who rules the world. A king is someone who cares about his followers. A king is somebody who cares, looks after their followers. A king is um, somebody who wields authority with grace. Wow, good answers there. <laughs> Thank you for all those who actually, when I jumped on them, particularly Alpha, and said, will you just say a few words? said, yes. That was really good. So as, what qualities do you think a quick king should have? You know, maybe it's that they live with integrity. Maybe um, that they protect their territory or realm. These are some things I thought of. Providing safety, hardworking, somebody who serves others. Um, relevant and inspirational, maybe could be so many things isn't it but as Christians I love that we've already prayed that John's already prayed for our new king you know because as Christians we are called to pray for those who lead us um, and that we should pray protection over them and their families because you know what I wouldn't fancy their job would you even though there's loads of perks with it I wouldn't fancy it and they definitely need God's wisdom don't they and love and compassion to lead um, what they're leading well you know we may never get to meet King Charles um, and millions flocked down to London, didn't they, yesterday, just to catch a glimpse of King Charles and the entourage. But I want to talk to you a little bit today about my king, the ultimate king that we've already mentioned, Jesus Christ, who's Lord of Lord, Lords and King of Kings. And this king, if you've not met him, you can meet him even today. That the king that you knows your name, that you might not have known his name, but he knows your name. And this king knew you before you were even born. He planned you. And this king can give you peace. He can heal your hurts. He can heal your pain. He can break addictions. And this king is all-powerful. And this king wants to be part of your life. Now, how many kings can you say that about? That is my king. And I want to just look at today some of the qualities that my king has. Um, and some of these qualities, it's a real challenge for us as well. Because when we spend time with Jesus and we have that personal relationship with him, that we should start to develop those qualities and we should start to look and sound like him. So as I'm talking about these qualities that Jesus displayed, just have a little think about where you're up to with these qualities in your life too. And as I was doing this, I was actually really challenged actually about where I'm up to on a scale of all these different things. But the first one I want to talk about is that Jesus was driven by love so he's a king that was driven just by love you know he loved Jordan again said it this morning he loved this world so much that he sent his only son Jesus so that we could be reconciled to him I mean that's love just right there isn't it you know everything he is everything he does um, comes out of his immense and immeasurable love for us and his us we're his children you know no one is left out either you know, how many kings can you say that about? Everyone is invited to be part of it and accept it, experience it. There's no hierarchy, no favoritism. You don't need to know this person or that, this person. No amount of money can buy it. And you don't even need to earn it. 
It's just yours, freely given. I love this verse in Ephesians. I'm going to be reading loads of scriptures today because just to encourage you. But listen to this from Ephesians 3, verse 18. And may you have the power to understand, and this is my prayer for us today, may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ through, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. May you know today and understand how long and how wide and how high and how deep his love is for you. And if we go out today just recognising that and encountering that, we will go out different. You know, God's love is so great, it is unfathomable. We can't fully understand it because we don't love like that, do we? You know, humans love our love for each other. Often depends, doesn't it, about how somebody treats us, about our behaviour to each other. You know, our love is often fickle, isn't it? I know mine is. Somebody offends me and I don't want to love that person anymore. I need God's help because I don't want to. I want to hide away. But God's love for us isn't like that. His love is unconditional. His love for us is not based on our behaviour. How freeing is that? It's not based on our works. It's not based on our performance. You know, God's love sets us free just to be who we are. You know, maybe you're sick of putting on a mask, putting on an ask, a, a, a mask or putting on an act. Maybe you long to be known or to be loved, that you've been looking for that all your life. Then I encourage you to get to know Jesus because only he can love you like that. You know, God's love also offers us protection. You know, his love, our love fails, doesn't it? Let's be honest, our love fails. But his love will never fail you. People let us down, don't they? And they disappoint us. But you can put all your trust and all your hope in this king's love. Psalm 36 verse 5 says, Your love is unfailing, O Lord. It is as vast as the oceans. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. That is some reach, isn't it? Now that's what I call love. The second thing I wanted to look at, the second quality, there's so many that I could have gone on, but these are just a few that I thought of, is that Jesus is a king that keeps his promises. How many leaders and kings say what they think that we want them to say and we want to hear, but then they change their minds and don't keep the promises? You know, Jesus always, always keeps his promises. We can have absolute confidence in God to do what he says he will do. He is the only person that can do that. You know, he's always working on your behalf. He's always working um, behind the scenes, even when you can't feel it, even when you can't see it. Often when I'm going through some things, I sing that song. You know, God, I believe that you're working. I believe that you're working on my behalf, even though at the moment it doesn't feel like it. You know, Numbers 23 verse 19 explains this really well. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. He, he, has he ever spoken and failed to, failed to act? Has he ever promised and not powered it through? You know, maybe some of you need to write that out and get it on your fridge. God does not lie to us. He keeps his promises. We can trust God to come through because he is faithful. God is truth. He cannot fail us. And you know what? The Bible is full of God's promises. And maybe you need an encouragement jar. People have these that are just full of God's promises and blessings for us. I'm just going to read a few of them. And if you want to come and get them from me later, you can do. But these are just a few just to start, start from. But actually in the Bible, there's over 3,000 promises just for you to read. So maybe you need to look some up and encourage yourself with these. But God promises to strengthen you. 
in Ephesians 3, it says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. When Jesus left, he left his Holy Spirit. So we weren't on our own so that he could be, we could be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. God promises to give us rest. How many of you need rest today? Then Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Nobody else can say that but Jesus. God promises to take care of all your needs. Philippians 4, 19, and the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches, which have been given to us by Christ. God promises to answer your prayers. How often do you plead to God? And this might not be in our timing, but it's in God's timing. In God, we can trust God that he will come through for us. Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. You will and knock and you and it will be sorry, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. God promises to work everything out for your good. Romans eight twenty eight. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So when we go through pitfalls, when we go through ups, when we go through downs, God is promising that he will work all those things out for our good in the end. We can, we can trust him that that. God promises to be with you. Do you need God to be with you this morning? I will not fail you or abandon you. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1 verse 5. Maybe you need that in your workplace. You need to know and remember that God is with you wherever you go. Maybe in school, maybe in college, whatever it is. Maybe at home uh, with um, a marriage issue or whatever. You need to know that God is with you. God is with you wherever you go. God promises to protect you. Then I declare about the Lord, he alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I will trust him. Psalm 91 verse 2. God promises that nothing can separate you from him. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's in Romans 8. How reassuring is that? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And finally, the last one I wanted to pick on of the 3,000 that are in there that you can look up is God promises you eternal, everlasting life if you accept him into your life. Because John 3.16 promises us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So we can have absolute confidence in God and that he says that he will, he will do what he says. This is based not on us, not on anything else, but on his character and on God. We can trust God. You know, he is always, always faithful. The third thing I wanted to look at was that Jesus values us all. You know, do our kings and leaders value everybody the same? Probably, probably not, but Jesus does value us all. And with Jesus, we don't have to try to be anything that we're not. We can just be ourselves. We don't have to put on any airs, on graces. Um, you can talk to him anywhere, anytime. He's here right now. You don't need to make an appointment. You don't need to go down to London. You don't need to buy a dress, wear a hat. You don't need to be put on hold and listen to that hold music. He is here for you anytime. In the car, in your bed, in the shower, in church. It doesn't matter. He is always there. 
you know, we've all probably experienced, I know I have, the type of leader or the type of boss that chooses to surround themselves with people that are influential, you know, the in people. You know, and if you're looking to have an influence in the world today, that's probably quite a good strategy to hang out with the, the, the successful, the popular, the beautiful, uh, and the rich. But you know what? I love that this is not how Jesus operates. Otherwise, I would not be in the gang. I'm not in the in crowd. Um, and, you know, I love that in the Bible, we see example, example after example of the people that Jesus spends time with. You know, he... The people that the world would actually reject in our world are the people that Jesus chases after. I love that. I want to be a person that looks out for those people that nobody else wants to spend time with. You know, he seeks out the ostracized. He seeks out the homeless. He seeks out the drug addicts. He seeks out the prostitutes. He, sneaks, uh, he, he, he looks out for the people who don't look like us and smell like us. You know, he, he looks out for the worthless people in the world's eyes. And these are the ones that Jesus says, come and spend time with me today. You know, and I love the story of Zacchaeus in the Bible. We'll have all heard about it. I'm not going to go into it in great detail. But this is a beautiful example of Jesus. You know, Zacchaeus was one of those people in his town um, and his community that was absolutely despised. He worked for the government. He was a cheat. He was a tax collector. And because he he'd heard that Jesus was coming to town and he, he wasn't tall, so he hid in a tree just to cap a glimpse of Jesus and if you'd have seen him there you'd have seen him in the corner you'd have thought well Jesus will just walk past him he won't even notice him and they would have expected Jesus because other people would have walked on by they would have expected Jesus to walk on by but you know what Jesus does Jesus sees Zacharias he not only sees him but he calls him by name he says Zacharias come down I want to spend time with you you're not worthless. Come and spend time with me. And you know what? In that moment, it changes everything. He repents of his sin and promises to share his wealth. That's the power of being valued by Jesus. That's the power that we have when we take Jesus into our workplaces, when we take Jesus into our situations, when we take Jesus into our neighborhoods. When you're in Jesus' presence, his presence changes the atmosphere. Let's always pray that we will see Jesus the way that he sees them. Let's not overlook people. Let's not look at the mess and the problems, but let's look at the potential that they have if they meet with Jesus. Fourthly, Jesus is motivated by compassion. You know, world, world leaders and kings can create amazing change. They're probably in that position to create amazing change when they allow that compassion to motivate them. And most of us can understand that, can't they? Can't we? That when we see a need, um, we're compelled to act by compassion. You know, we see people hurting and we want to help. But what I love about Jesus is he is absolutely the compassion champion. He lets compassion mess up his plans. It frustrates his followers. His disciples are always saying, just leave it. Don't get involved. And he didn't. And it threw out his work-life balance completely. And he wouldn't have been a great example of that. And we can see this clearly after uh, one of his best friends um, died, John the Baptist. You know, Jesus, naturally, like any of us would do, he wanted to re um, remove himself and he went to a remote remote place just to be on his own and collect his thoughts and probably speak to his father in heaven you know we were so often surrounded by crowds crowds followed him wherever he went but this moment he just wanted to just steal a bit of time which we can all understand but the crowds of people heard about where Jesus had gone to get that time and they followed him 
And instead of giving him that space that he needed, they all crowded around him, wanting to have their needs met. We're selfish, aren't we, humans? We want to get our needs met. We're not thinking about the other person sometimes. You know, when I think, when I'm tired, when I'm confused, when I'm hurting, that's my go-to. I retreat, and sometimes friends will say, you don't answer your phone this week, and I've just disappeared. But that's how we, a lot of us, that's a coping mechanism, isn't it? You know, how do I react when somebody demands my attention that week? Do I react kindly? Do I react with compassion? Not always. That's a challenge, isn't it? But you know what Jesus did? These people followed him and he could have thought, oh, please, just get the disciples to take them away. But you know what he did? He looked at them with compassion. He healed the sick among them. He spoke to them. It says actually in Matthew 14, he looked at the crowds and he had compassion on them and healed them. Wow. He set his own needs aside to minister to them, not because he had to, but because he was compelled to by the compassion that he felt. That is such a challenge, isn't it? That's really challenged me. You know, we can look at Jesus, can't we, for examples of wise, loving leadership. But Jesus is different, so different to many of our kings and earthly leaders. It seems really a bit foolish to compare them. What we actually should be comparing is actually between Jesus and ourselves, our character. Where are we up to with all these things? You know, are we speaking the truth? Are we giving Jesus our whole heart? Are we allowing Jesus to to actually challenge us about how compassionate we are? And finally, Jesus is a king that serves us. Jesus modelled servant leadership to us as he knew this was God's will. He showed his love, humility and gentleness by washing the feet of his disciples and teaching them to do the same. He did not seek to be served served like a king, but rather he wanted to inspire other people to do what he was doing and serve others. You know, servanthood is not about position, it's about our attitude. Have we got an attitude of servanthood? You know, we need to seek ways that we can add value to others, even when no one's watching. And the primary way we do that, the primary way that stands out is by serving them. You know, servanthood should be motivated by love. You know, Jesus' love is undeserved, unending, unconditional, unselfish. It's not the worthiness of the works of the disciples that made Jesus wash their feet. It was his grace and his love for them. He, was ex- he wasn't expressing his gratitude. He was expressing his grace. You know, love made him serve his disciples, even washing the feet of Judas Iscariot that was going to betray him the next day. His love made him serve him, even in that moment when he knew that Judas was going to betray him, He was motivated by love. His love overwhelmed him so much for Judas. Wow, that's something to attain to, isn't it? You know, knowing Jesus should mean that we possess a security that allows us to serve others. You know, Jesus knew who he was. He didn't need to prove anything. He was secure enough to get down on the floor and wash his disciples' feet. He had nothing to prove. Nothing to lose and nothing to hide. And I love this quote. When I was looking at this, I found a quote from John Maxwell. And it's actually a very famous quote. And it's saying, the insecure are into titles and the secure are into towels. And that's a real challenging just there, isn't it? The insecure are into titles and they're bothered about what people think. The secure are into towels, into serving. 
You know, we need to initiate servanthood. You know, we don't need to just follow. We need to initiate it, be people that initiate that. You know, Jesus didn't wait on that night for someone to clarify the protocol and say, that's what you need to be doing. He saw a need and he met it. It's as simple as that sometimes, isn't it? You know, no one else had, had volunteered for the foot washing duty that night apart from Jesus, but he he decided to make a lesson out of that event. He started something that he hoped then the disciples would would imitate, would follow when he was gone. You know, we need to model this servanthood. We need to initiate this servanthood in our homes and our workplace. You know, our actions, don't they speak louder than words? Sometimes it says you can preach the gospel, but not with words. It's in the Bible. I don't know where it is, but it says that. Preach the gospel, but not with words. That's how we are. That's our character. That's what we do. And it shows us, shows people who Jesus is. You know, because what happens is that Jesus is calling us to live counterculturally than our world. You know, because that absolutely stands out. When we do things that people don't expect, it stands out. You know, and the greatest blessing is to step out in that faith and to do the opposite of what the world is doing, maybe what the world is telling you to do. You know, to go for that underdog, to go for the unpopular person at at work and say, you know, let's go and have a coffee. Let me get to know you. How can I help you? What can we do together? You know, bless others expecting nothing in return. You know, a a kind act, a a card means the world. You know, even if it's just God that sees it, that's enough. So today we've looked at a few qualities and I'd encourage you to go away and look at some more for yourself. Study Jesus and his character and how you can actually be more like Jesus. And the best thing you can do is actually spend time in his presence because he will rub off on you. You know, my prayer is that we decide to change, decide to be, to decide to be people that are more like Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You know, let's strive to be people that are driven by love, um, compassion beyond our own, that we value everybody, that we don't look for the popular people despite any status, and and be people that are quick to serve and get our hands dirty. You know, even today as we enjoy our celebrations, and I encourage you to stay and enjoy the bouncy castle, barbecue, games, ping pong balls, oh, that's just Richard, all sorts of things going on, you know, with family, you know, and the idea of community in church is God's idea too. All the good ideas come from God. All the good ideas come from the Bible, and community is God's idea. So I want to finish with a couple of things. I want to finish with a verse from John 13, and then I want to have a final word from one of our bridge kids, Miller. So the verse I have is John 13, 34, and it's this, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then we're just going to watch a little clip from Miller to finish and go, before we go back into worship. A king. A king is who reveals a quincy, but my king is Jesus. <laughs>